Good morning, everyone, and welcome once again to Breath of Pragma. My name is Dr. Dennis Daniels, and the song you were just listening to is called Celebrate He Lives by Fred Hammond, a celebratory song of the one and only resurrected Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Here at Breath of Pragma, we encourage you to love to breathe and breathe to love. Our foundational verse is Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, where it reads, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Pragma love is one of many types of love. Some experts say there are up to 11 different types of love. But pragma love is a practical love that we practice every single day. It's the art of being kind to the extent that we actually develop an appreciation and a neighborly love for each other by being kind to each other on a daily basis, routinely. It becomes part of who we are as a people. Small, simple things like showing consideration, waving, helping out our neighbors in some way. Simple things like that is how we spread pragma love. And we believe that what we speak with the breath of life, well, it can be good or bad. The Bible tells us that the power of life and death are in the tongue is what we say. Jesus himself said, it is not what goes in you that defiles you, but it's what comes out of you that defiles you. And with that, he meant, well, how do you use your breath of life? If you study your Bible, you realize the only gift that God took from inside of himself and put directly into us was this pneuma or breath of life. It is the most powerful thing that we've been given because we can speak life or it can be used. It can be corrupted. In Job chapter 17, verse 1, it says, my breath is corrupt. My days are extinct and the graves are ready for me. If you lose your breath, meaning if your breath becomes corrupt from disease or from misuse of that powerful weapon, well, the wages of sin is death. The ways of, the wages of time is also death. So what do you do with your breath of life in the meantime? Use it to spread pragma love. That's our counsel. That's our best advice. <clears throat> Having said that, we love teaching people about their lung health here at Breath of Pragma. My name is Dr. Dennis Daniels, and I have been a pulmonary critical care and sleep medicine physician serving our country for over two decades. And it is my honor to bring to you Breath of Life and Breath of Pragma. Um, our sponsors here at Breath of Pragma are Executive Pulmonary Medicine, and you can visit them at executivepulmonarymedicine.com. They offer a long list of services related to your lung and sleep health, period. And also, um, our other sponsor is Dr. Poppy, also known as the Hormone Whisperer. She is a specialist in fertility as well. In fact, um, she won the 417 Magazine Fertility Doctor of the Year. <clears throat> you can reach her at 417-485-5700 or look her up at drpoppy.com. I will tell you, she's quite popular and has patients from all over the place. 
she showed me one picture where one of her patients from Alaska sent her a photograph of the outdoor thermometer when it was something like minus 72 degrees. There was another time she called me to the office to see a person's Grammy. So <clears throat> she's well respected in her field. She is a published author and uh, in my opinion, she was well deserving of that fertility award. Um, it's not uncommon for us to be out to dinner and someone will come up and meet her like she's a celebrity, but they're so excited because they'll say, your wife got me pregnant. And, you know, they tell these stories about how uh, they've had multiple miscarriages or have been to other fertility specialists and just didn't have the same success. They come and meet her and she has this comprehensive approach to it. And, you know, she loves helping people make babies. And, you know, God told us to prosper. God told us that our children are special. Jesus said, whatever you do to them, you do to me. Uh, Jesus said, it's better for you to be hung by a heavy weight in the water and drowned than it would be for you to do harm to these children. And children are the proof of life. They are the miracle. Did you ever notice when babies come out, they just spontaneously start breathing? They take a breath. They just do it spontaneously. How? What makes that happen? They just spent the last nine months or 40 weeks submerged in amniotic fluid. So how is it that they just come out and go from breathing liquid to breathing air instantaneously? We don't spray anything in their throat. We don't do anything special. It just happens. That is the miracle of life. That is the breath of life being witnessed. The very first breath you took when you were a baby was proof of the breath of life. With that being said, let's get to our medical discussion this week. We've been on a series about COPD. <clears throat> COPD stands for chronic obstructive pulmonary disease and uh, other types of obstructive lung diseases include asthma, chronic bronchitis, and other things such as bronchiectasis and sarcoidosis as well. COPD is a disease that affects an estimated 24 million people in America. Um, it is related to the third leading cause of death. And I'm going to take this opportunity to make this plug about uh, how, how much we are against tobacco use because if you look at the top three killers in our country, heart disease, cancer, and COPD or low respiratory tract infections, all three of them are caused by cigarette smoking. We did a program on cigarette smoking a few shows back, and you can listen to that on our website if need be. So previously on COPD, we talked about how is it obstructive lung disease that is defined both by chronic symptoms that can include but are not limited to coughing, shortness of breath, and wheezing, and also a measured airflow limitation, a decreased ability to blow air out, which, which by definition makes it an obstructive lung disease. We talked previously about some treatment uh, options, including inhaled medications, smoking cessation. Um, you know, there was one part where we really got focused on management of reflux disease because reflux disease can cause 
pneumonia, asthma exacerbation, COPD exacerbation. It can cause lung nodules, bronchiectasis, pulmonary fibrosis. Um, so untreated reflux disease was a risk factor, an independent risk factor for the development of certain types of lung disease as well. But with COPD, we talked about how you can use bronchodilators or inhalers as a part of the treatment regimen. And of course, as always, we tell you, you, it's best for you to develop a pragma relationship with your healthcare provider to discuss your treatment options. Everything about you is unique to you and your healthcare should be tailored to you. And so when we have these general discussions, it's to build a foundational knowledge, hopefully, so you can take it back to your primary care providers and, and have an intellectual and productive discussion about your overall health care. I want to talk to you about something that frequently gets overlooked in, in the management of COPD, and that is the concept of pulmonary rehab. So if someone has a severe heart attack or heart failure or has heart surgery, most people are familiar with cardiac rehab. That's a slightly different program than what I'm discussing here. So pulmonary rehab is basically a program that has to be tailored to the individual person. And so therefore, it's based on the severity of your disease, your symptoms, other limitations or strengths. However, research tells us that the concept of pulmonary rehab frequently gets overlooked or left out of treatment plans. You may recall we spoke previously about how half the people who have COPD are not even diagnosed yet. And of the half that, that are diagnosed, only half of them are on any type of therapy. And of the ones that are on any type of therapy, only about half of them are on appropriate therapy. So you're talking about a very small percentage of people who have the number three killer in our country not being treated effectively. And one of the things that gets overlooked is pulmonary rehab. And so I want to read you this definition of pulmonary rehab that comes from the American Thoracic Society. And this is available to anybody for free online. But they define it as being a comprehensive intervention based on a thorough patient assessment followed by patient-tailored therapies that include, but are not limited to, exercise training, education, and behavioral change, all designed to improve the physical and psychological condition of people with chronic respiratory disease and to promote long-term adherence to health-enhancing behaviors. And they reevaluated that definition with a special focus group, and they chose not to change that definition. So let's talk about some aspects of pulmonary rehab. Um, the benefits of pulmonary rehab includes the fact that people who do pulmonary rehab have higher functionality. The difference between a father playing catch with their son and a father watching someone else play catch with their son, their son could be pulmonary rehab. The difference between dad dancing with his daughter at the wedding and dad watching someone else dance with the daughter at the wedding 
could be pulmonary rehab. Pulmonary rehab cannot reverse lung disease. I want to be very clear about that. However, pulmonary rehab can improve lung function it can to the, the extent that it makes people less short of breath with exertion so it teaches you how to do more there are people that have a diagnosis of frailty you may have seen people who have end-stage lung disease and they're so short of breath all the time they don't even eat anymore and they just look like skin and bones and they're wasting away some people call that COPD cachexia or other people call it frailty but there are studies that say people who have frailty and do pulmonary rehab actually end up developing an appetite they end up having higher functionality they start being more active in life there are some people who go back to work um, pulmonary rehab not only builds your endurance and strengthens your lungs to the extent that they can be strengthened. And remember, this, these structural changes in your lungs from diseases like COPD and pulmonary fibrosis, nothing can reverse those. But programs like pulmonary rehab can take the, the, the lungs that you have and make the patient more functional, able to do more things on a daily basis. So because of that, the patient has less shorter breath, so they're able to go shopping again or participate in family activities again. They have a less sedentary and more active lifestyle. Um, and also, people feel better. There's a psychological aspect to it. When you go to pulmonary rehab frequently, people meet new friends there, and they have buddies that they do activities with. Pulmonary rehab is usually performed at a rehab facility sometimes these are located in a hospital or a clinic and usually they have an aid and or a respiratory therapist available and you know they monitor your oxygen your vital signs they measure how far you can walk in six minutes uh, before you do pulmonary rehab and after but it's just small simple things they teach you as well not only do they strengthen your lungs and build your endurance and help you get the most function out of your current lungs to the extent that patients report literally report feeling better have less depression less anxiety and are doing more with life but also they just teach you some common sense things if you're going to make a sandwich for example you know you walk over to the refrigerator and you grab the meat and you sit it on the table and you walk back to the refrigerator and you grab the mayo and you sit it on the table and you walk back and you grab the cheese well in pulmonary rehab they say you know what why don't you walk over and grab all three of those things at the same time and make one trip you would be shocked that might not be the best example but it is a real life example and you would just be shocked how getting small advice like that can allow people to be more functional imagine someone who has end-stage lung disease and they basically call their loved ones and say i i can't make myself a sandwich or if no one comes to help them they just lose weight and get copd cachexia or frailty which basically increases their morbidity and chance of mortality so pulmonary rehab can fix it where that person is able to wash their own dishes, shower again on their own, cook their own food. And so you can see the value of pulmonary rehab. Now, when it comes to who needs 
pulmonary rehab. Well, essentially, that's anyone who has significant symptoms or a reduction in lung function to the point that it prevents them from doing their activities of daily living. There are no real good cold hard facts. For example, we measure how quickly someone can blow air out. That's called their forced expiratory volume in one second or their FEV1. If that's less than 80% predicted or considered to be lower than the lower limit of normal, then we say that's consistent with obstructive lung disease. And if it's less than 60%, we consider it to be moderate. And if it's less than 40%, you know, some, some studies and, and, and standards say that that's severe. But this FEV1, how much air someone forces out in one second, that's not a good guide to determine who would benefit from pulmonary rehab. Because someone who has an FEV1 of 40% predicted, which is pretty bad, can benefit from pulmonary rehab just as much as someone who has an FEV1 of 70% predicted. So there's not a good objective tool that we use to determine who would benefit from pulmonary rehab. If a patient has a lung disease that leads them to have shortness of breath to the point that it is stopping them or hampering them from doing activities of daily living, these, these are candidates for pulmonary rehab. Uh, another time to consider pulmonary rehab is if someone recently had exacerbation of their COPD where they needed antibiotics or steroids or an increase in their therapy. These are definite candidates for pulmonary rehab. Some of the limitations of pulmonary rehab including includes traveling to the facility to do the test to start with. Some people may be limited by transportation. Um, if you have other things like psychological or severe arthritis problems, neurologic problems like frequent seizures, or, you know, if you're, if you're, uh, if a patient is, needs a walker, for example, that might be somewhat of a barrier to doing pulmonary rehab. But usually there aren't that really that many contraindications to pulmonary rehab. The one that does come to mind is you do want to make sure that your heart is strong enough to do pulmonary rehab before you go to do it. Uh, and so, because it, it does involve exercise. And when I say exercise, they do flexibility training, strength training, endurance training. They, in order for it to be considered exercise, it has to cause the patient to exert more energy and have more activity than they would during their regular daily routine. So that's why a major reason why each of these programs has to be tailored to the individual person. Um, so someone with an FEV1 of 70% predicted might have a more aggressive pulmonary rehab program than someone who has an FEV1 of 40% predicted. So the point here is that pulmonary rehab frequently gets left off of the treatment plan and of the treatment regimen. If you or your loved one or you know someone who has COPD, make sure to remind them to bring up the pulmonary rehab referral to their primary care 
provider or the person providing their health care so that doesn't get left off. There are huge physical and psychological benefits. Even things that say people who do pulmonary rehab are less likely to be admitted to the hospital. Um, and so the benefits of it are far reaching. Uh, there's really not that many contraindications to it. And so it's, and, and it's one of those things that's just frequently left off the treatment plan for people who have COPD. So uh, I'm hoping that this section wa uh, this week was, was very helpful for you. And so back to our pragma concept, <clears throat> I want to talk about something very specific but very important today. There is a college called Trinity College, and they did a study on witches. Now, before, you know, you go too far and say, wait a minute, like, you know, this is a weird subject or, you know, witches are like unicorns and they don't exist. Well, two things I would tell you, there are unicorns in the Bible. And if you study your references, you'll realize when the Bible refers to a unicorn, it's actually talking about a rhinoceros. So the other thing is, witches think they are real. In this study by Trinity College, they determined that in 1990, there were about 8,000 practicing witches in the United States of America. Today, there are about 1.4 million practicing witches, and those are the ones that we know about. Um, there are, if you, if you look up the history of witches, uh, you will find that there are a lot of books written about them. Um, you can actually do a web search on how to do a spell or how to do a hex on someone. Uh, skinwalkers by the Navajo Indians were also determined to be witches. Um, CNN had a program in 2018 that was called The Intimate Photos of Modern Day Witches across America. Cosmopolitan had an article in 2022 that said nine things you never knew about witches. Um, there's actually information on the internet that's, that discussed the best places for witches to live. And they include New Orleans and Salem, Massachusetts. You know, in New Orleans, they have something called Hexfest which is basically a conference for witches. They had a similar thing in New York called Witch Fest in 2022. Um, witches are not always trying to be visible because a lot of times they are the CEO or they work with children or they work in healthcare or for the government. But understand that they believe they are real. You know, I've never seen a person who worships the devil have to be convinced that the devil is real. If there is dark, then there is light. If there is light, by definition, there is dark. So you can't say you believe in angels, and but you don't believe in demons. You can't believe in the Lord Jesus Christ when he literally addressed sorcerers and witches. But here's the one thing that I wanted to bring up to you, and that is witches are people who want to cause harm, and division by speaking spells. So they know that there is power in the spoken word. They believe that the breath of life 
has power, but they corrupt it for purposes that are outside of what the Lord who created everything intended. <clears throat> and I bring them up to say, if the witches believe in the power of what we say, then shouldn't the people who are against evil also believe in that power? In James chapter 2, verse 19, it reads, You believe that God is one, and you do well. Even the demons believe in God and shudder. We don't get to act like demons aren't real. As a matter of fact, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 14, it says, No wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So I don't want to go too far to try to convince you that witches are real, evil people are real. You probably experienced the witch if you had someone who was mean to you and you can't figure out why. Well, that might be a witch or a warlock. Or warlock. So they believe in the power of the spoken word. And here at Breath of Pragma, we don't want them to be the ones who believe in that power and use that power. Our Bible tells us that the Lord who created everything gave us the breath of life. In Job 33, chapter 4, it says, The Spirit of God has made me and put the breath of the Almighty in me, and it gives me life. In Ezekiel 37, 5, it reads, The Lord says to these bones, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. I will put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live. In Job chapter 7, verse 7, it says, Oh, remember that my life is breath. The Lord Jesus Christ said, It is not what goes in you that defiles you. It is what comes out of you that defiles you. Evil people know the power of the word, and we should too. Here at Breath of Pragma, I want to encourage you. Say nice things. Encourage one another in the word, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Speak nicely to each other. Say wonderful things about each other. Be kind. Spread pragma love. You are the answer. You are the cure. You are the way that evil loses and good wins. Thank you for joining us here, Brother Pragma.